Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear beloved listeners. Happy birthday to you. And many more. Hello and welcome to the Bobby Yaga Project. I'm Devin. I have a master's degree in American history and indigenous studies. And I'm Sonia and I'm doing a PhD in medieval history. The Bobby Yaga Project is a podcast and blog that explores the ritualized year, folklore, and history. Today we're talking about birthdays. Woo! Birthdays! Yeah, so fun fact, uh, September is one of the months that has the most birthdays in the calendar year. So that's why we're doing this now. January. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You know, January, it's cold, it's desolate, you can't go outside. I mean, you can go outside, but like, it's cold. What else are you going to get up to than like, you know, (laughs) spending some time with loved ones? (laughs) But anyway, we wanted to talk about birthdays because it's actually like a really like historically kind of odd tradition. Yeah. And like it's very it's relatively new on the scene. Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely analogs in the past, but like we just take it so for granted that like you know, you're going to have this, like, very specific birthday party every year. Yeah. Like, especially as children, right? Like, you know, there's a very formulaic, like, there's the happy birthday song. There's going to be a cake. The cake has candles on it. You blow out the candles. You make a wish. You get the card. And presents. Yeah. Presents. But I love presents. We're going we're gonna to take it back a little and see how these traditions get started. Excellent. So this is obviously we're going to be focusing mainly on like European customs and like later yes. like Euro-American. Um, so what is the, in this like cultural context, what is the earliest sort of analog that we see for the modern birthday? Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it an analog, but Mm -hmm. I think kind of the first time we're seeing, like, ordinary people caring about their birthdays is with the Greeks. Because prior to this, like, you'd, like, we see things, um, you know, describing how in Egypt, like, the gods and goddesses would be assigned birthdays, and you'd celebrate those. Mm -hmm. But to the ancient Greeks, your birthday mattered because of astrology, right? So even if you're, like, a regular person, right? Like, you're not Mm -hmm. a divine being, your birthday would still (laughs) matter. There doesn't seem to have been any, like, specific celebration on, like, your specific birthday. But, like, it's at least something Mm -hmm. that you're kind of keeping track of and, like, sort of care about. Yeah. And... This has nothing to do with birthdays, but they are perhaps the first people to have cakes with candles on them. Oh, wow. Yeah, because um, in honor of Artemis, the moon goddess, there would be round cakes 
that were made up as offerings to her. So they're a circle to look like the moon. And then you would put candles on it and light them so that it would glow like how the moon glows. And it was basically, this was like a votive offering. So you would put Mm -hmm. the candles on the cake and then you would pray. And the smoke from the candles was supposed to carry the prayer up to the goddess. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I think it's... I think we should start doing that for other things on birthdays. Right? For moon goddesses. <laughs> moon goddess, please help me. <laughs> I need as much help as I can get, so... <laughs> Same. <laughs> Don't we all, though? <sighs> but... I was saying I was going to start doing that on the full moon every month. Making a big moon cake. I mean, honestly, I support you in making moon cakes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but also, alternatively, we could start partying it up like the Romans did, because this is Ooh. where I'd argue you see, like, an actual birthday party analog. Okay. What did they do? So, they would celebrate birthdays of, like... Mm-hmm. gods, goddesses, of cities, of particular cults. But in their private lives, Roman men and women would mark their own birthdays and the birthdays of family members and friends with gift-giving and banquets. Oh. So this is kind of the first time, at least from what I know, where you're seeing kind of ordinary people having a celebration for themselves to celebrate the day of their birth. So they would actually celebrate each other's birthdays. And it's this kind of interesting thing where it would maybe be between friends, but there was also um, between like Roman patrons and their, like the people who they would like patronize. So, Mm. you know, if you're like the wealthy Roman and, you know, the artist who you're, who you're, you're the patron of would, mm-hmm. uh, it, the artist would like also be celebrating your birthday because you are seen as like this higher figure. So you're supposed to kind of give them that honor. Okay. So we have, there's an example in 283 AD of the grammarian Censorinus. Uh, apologies mm-hmm. for all of my pronunciations of everything ever. <laughs> so, Censorinus wrote a little book called De Die Natale, so like uh-huh. the birth, the day of birth, for his patron Quintus Chirelius. And it's not necessarily like a super valuable book materially, but it's kind of, you know, he he opens the book saying. Um, I bring this meager offering to you from whom I have received a much greater share of learning. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of this idea that, you know, you have this very personal, like, written gift that somebody makes to give honor to their patron. And I think that's, you know, we, we can sort of see that, that it's this sort of very thoughtful gift giving situation. Yeah. But I think the other thing to talk about is that this was both a 
birthdays at this point were both religious and kind of secular in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a, this was a day where you would make offerings both for yourself and your friends and family members would make offerings and prayers to gods and goddesses on your behalf. And we know about this because there are, you know, written records of people saying in books, and there's actually a whole kind of genre of birthday poems where people would write, yeah, they would write poems for either their patron's birthday or for a friend or family member's birthday. And, you know, they describe what people would do um, on both on the religious and the more kind of secular fun side of things. So in the more fun part of things, as I said before, this would be inviting people to celebrate with you and you would have a banquet and drinking and, you know, just kind of having a fun Mm -hmm. time celebrating. And it's like you would even send out handwritten invitations and like tablet invitations. There's one that's preserved in Northern Britain from around 100, Mm -hmm. year 100-ish. So in this tablet, there's a woman named Claudia Severa, the wife of a Roman officer, inviting another officer's wife to her house on the third day before the Ides of September to celebrate her birthday. So, you know, you have this kind of formalized way of inviting people to these banquets. Um, And on the side of the more religious parts of this, there would be offerings made to gods and goddesses in your name. For example, there were offerings a lot of the time for um, for women's birthdays. There'd be offerings mm-hmm. made to Juno. So there would be, you know, you would light incense. There would be ritual cakes, similar to yeah. what we talked about with the Greeks. Uh, there'd be wine laid out. There would be flames lit at the altar on either candles or again on the incense. And there would be prayers. And typically the celebrant would wear white and they would have flower wreaths around the altars. So, yeah, it's this kind of a a combination of both, you know, your birthday as a day of celebration and also as a day of kind of asking the gods to to take take a little extra care of you. Okay. Basically. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I think we should bring that back. <laughs> we need a Catch little me ex- building an altar to Juno at my next birthday. Yeah, we need extra help from anyone who could possibly help. <laughs> That's very fair, honestly. Just I'm I'm willing to to do, you know, I, I think I'm willing to slaughter a goat or two. <laughs> you know, get get in some animal sacrifice. Oh my gosh. Where would we get a goat? I mean, there's farms not far from here, right? <laughs> you imagine on the metro with the goat. <laughs> <laughs> it's for my birthday. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same rules with like a, you know, in New York, with you can dog, take a dog on the subway as long as it fits in a bag. bag. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd... It, instead of a tote bag, it's, it's a, a goat, goat bag. bag. I hate you. <laughs> you really should. I deserve your hatred. 
You know what? I'm no longer early Christians hated birthdays. Birthdays. (laughs) Wow! Look at that segue. Transition. (laughs) Oh, I am known for my just. Oh hell yeah! (laughs) Smooth as silk. That's why we're professionals, Devin. Okay, wait, so why did Christians hate birthdays? Right, so you have these early Christian writers, like, pre-4th century, writing about how birthdays are things that, like, pagans celebrate and that good Christians should not celebrate their birthdays. So you hear this from Origen and from Arnobius, who both are basically arguing that you know, you shouldn't be celebrating your own birthday because, you know, it's not very, like, as a Christian, you should be modest and, like, not want all this attention on yourself. And, like, you know, also this is, you know, the first few centuries of Christianity, they think that Jesus is coming back, like, tomorrow. (laughs) So, like, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that they're like, listen, the world is going to end soon. Stop wasting your time, like, throwing parties, and maybe, I don't know, like, help the poor or something. Yeah. Which, like, you know, I guess fair enough, but... I, you can do both. That got real old real quick. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, it's also the fact that, you know, just because some of the people writing about it are saying this Mm -hmm. does not mean that no Christians at the time were celebrating their birthdays. I mean, if anything, the fact that they keep calling people out for it means that they were definitely kind of implies that yeah, like people were definitely celebrating their birthdays. But yeah, it's not really like embraced by the church structure, if you will. It's not really seen as, like, an okay thing to do. Yeah. Until, until about 336. Because that is when you actually see Christmas celebrations starting to take place in Rome. Wait. It took 300 years for people to celebrate Christmas? The best part of being a Christian? Yeah. Because at the time... Christmas initially wasn't seen as, like, that big of a deal because it's Easter that's the big deal at this point. I mean, yeah, I know that Easter is supposed to be the, like, (laughs) biggest holiday. And it's nice. But also it's not Christmas. (laughs) I know. But, yeah, it took people, like, over 300 years to say, hey, maybe we should... Like, do do something for Christmas, because this is, like, Jesus you know, this is, is when it's becoming more important. Like, there's starting to see at that point more emphasis being put on, like, the fact that Jesus came to Earth as a human being and was born mm-hmm. into, like, a human body. And what does that mean? And what does that mean theologically? So, you know, you start seeing these kinds of celebrations and that kind of, it, it starts to make it more okay and more acceptable to celebrate your own birthday okay. because, you know, it starts being like, well, all right, like, if we're going to celebrate the day that Christ was born, we can also celebrate, like, you know, normal people generally, like, being yeah. born, staying alive. 
And yeah, so all of this that I've been talking about is also pretty centered around Rome mm-hmm. when I'm talking about Christianity, yeah. because that's like where I have some knowledge of and like <laughs> records of. Okay. Um, but through most of the rest of Europe, there doesn't appear to be widespread birthday celebrations amongst other groups. Like, I couldn't find anything really at at this stage um, amongst, like, the Norse or Germanic tribes or the Slavs. Was There are a few... M- was there mm-hmm. um, as, like, accurate date record-keeping outside of Rome in this period? Like, would yeah. that have been a reason for that? I think it's partially that, and partially that it, it seems like having, you know, celebrating individual birthdays in this way was, like, a very Roman thing. At least as far as what I've read. Like, other cultures definitely would have had, you know, coming-of-age mm-hmm. celebrations and, like, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I think it's probably a mix of less concern about, like, actual, like, to-the-day record-keeping and partly just that, mm-hmm. like, the Romans just really liked partying and were like, we're gonna find reasons to celebrate. That's my impression of Rome. Fist pumping <laughs> yeah. in the Roman Empire. <laughs> That's what Rome's known for, right? What is it? Jim laundry tanning? Yeah. I'm throwing yeah, it that way right. back to <laughs> Jersey Shore. <laughs> back to 2010. <gasps> Jersey Shore. Thanks, thanks, thanks. It's Jim Laundry. Do you remember 2010, Devin? <laughs> Me? That was my first year of college. <laughs> things just seemed so much simpler then. I just I had just started my undergrad in New York. Oh, I was in grade 10. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> You're literally three years older than me. That's not old. I feel ancient and decrepit. Okay. Well, you but know when, to- how you wouldn't have to feel ancient and decrepit if you swapped out that birthday for a name day. <laughs> Your transitions are killing me. <laughs> okay, I'm, so name I'm days. Just doing great. Right, so now we're into the medieval period, you know, m- medieval proper, mm-hmm. if you will. And at this point, you know, again, birthdays weren't really a thing outside of, like, Rome and their, like, kind of, like, the core parts of mm-hmm. the Roman Empire. So, you know, like, that tradition is kind of spreading along with Christianity, but it's also getting, like, you know, sort of negative connotations still. Mm -hmm. So people kind of end up finding this compromise where, because both the Catholic and Orthodox churches, those are the only two that are around at this point, Mm -hmm. both come out with a calendar that have saints like, a saint of the day, basically. Yeah. Sometimes more than one saint on a day. So every single day in the calendar 
is associated with at least one saint, either on their feast day for Catholics or on the day of the saint's death for Eastern Orthodox, because nothing is more metal than the Eastern Orthodox. Oh, wow, that is gruesome. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, kind of, I kind of appreciate it. <laughs> but anyway, so what you would do is, for a lot of people throughout Europe, as this spreads, they start to celebrate name days mm-hmm. rather than actual birthdays, partly because of, like poor record keeping like a lot of the time you just wouldn't know your exact day of birth and also because it kind of hits that sweet spot of you know you get to be celebrated on that day but you're also kind of honoring this saint yeah so you know it it kind of it hits that balance that you know christian modesty sort of demanded yeah. And I mean it's also it it also just makes it easier on everyone because instead of trying to remember individual dates, you can just like be like, "Oh, yes, it is the day of Saint Anne. I have to go wish Anne <laughs> a happy name day." Like it yeah. really it simplifies things. And it's also the fact that it's quite I mean it was and in some places still is like really common to name children after the saint day that was close to the day they were born. Oh, yeah. See, you so, can't like, do that for me because I was born on All Saints Day. I mean, Devin, <laughs> we just we just name you. We just we we pick like the day after. Oh, okay. What is it? Oh, I think isn't that All Souls Day? No, All Souls Day is the day before. So Wait. it's Halloween, which is the day before. Like it's the eve of. Right, All right, Souls right. Day, and then it's All Saints Day is after that. What's the... Okay, well... I'm gonna look up a calendar. Anyway, while you do that, I'm going to talk about how people would have celebrated name days. Okay, cool. So... <laughs> that seems like a better use um, of the time. Well, you know, I'm just I'm just gonna fill the, the silence. So for the most part, these would... Even for the poorest people, you'd kind of, like, scrape together enough ingredients to make some form of a cake. Um, In Eastern Europe, you would have what's called a baba or a babka, which literally translates to, like, what you would call your grandmother. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of like calling a bread... It's like a cute name, like like granny, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, So it's a sweetened bread, and it's made from like a very rich dough. So it's a yeasted cake. Um, and it would normally be sweetened with honey and, you know, it would include eggs. It would maybe have saffron if you could afford it. It would have dried fruit, nuts, that kind of thing. So, you know, when we're talking about cake, that's like envision something like that. Okay. Uh, they could actually be really big. Like there's a 12th century Danish chronicler who describes a Baltic pagan harvest festival babka as cake prepared with mead, round in form, and standing nearly as high as a person. So, again, if you were a fancy person, you might have a big fancy cake. If you're a normal person, probably more of a normal cake. Um, There's also references to, you know, different types of fruit cakes and, like, gingerbreads. Is is this cake, like, the... Um, 
Oh, wait, correction. So, never mind. It mm-hmm. is All Souls Day that I was born on. Nice. Never mind, because All Saints Day is the first. And then it's All Souls Day. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> so I was born on the spooky Definitely. one. Would you like to give us... Would you like to give us your mother's maiden name? The name of your first grade teacher? I mean, we've got your birthday. Just give us your... Give us some deets. <laughs> you don't know what year it was. That's true. Well, I guess you could riddle it out based on... Yeah, but maybe based on when I started college, which I also gave out today. That's what I'm saying. You're just You're just giving everyone all the info. My mom's saint name is Joan. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I didn't get to pick a saint name. I was just assigned. <laughs> Why? Oh, because uh, we don't do confirmation oh. in like Eastern Catholicism. Okay. So, fun fact, you know, I'm Ukrainian, Greek Catholic, like Byzantine Catholicism, yeah. and you do baptism and chrism. At the same time. So it's just like, you just get her done. So you're an infant and they're just like, done. Because, I mean, let's be real. If you're a Ukrainian girl, your options are you're going to be Catholic or you're going to be Orthodox. They're like, there's really no point in making you confirm this when you're like 13 or whatever. (laughs) Like, what what are you going to do? You're going to convert? Yeah. No. (laughs) You're going to stop? No. Yeah, well, yeah, because that's what I did. I was never confirmed, and then I became a Quaker. <laughs> nice. Um, so I don't have a saint name either. But, so yeah. the cake, though, the cake that we were talking about right. before this, is that similar to the cake that we had in Hungary? The, like, chimney cake? No, because okay. that would be deep fried. I would say the cakes that I'm talking about, um, okay, well, Fruitcake was really common, yeah. which, like, you've had a fruitcake. <laughs> um, and then a babka is, um, if you've ever had, like, challah bread, it's it's quite similar to that, I would say. Okay. Because it's it's still, like, you know, it's sweetened with, like, honey, and there's eggs in it, and it's it's leavened with yeast, and there's maybe raisins and stuff in it. And then, yeah, gingerbread at this time is not, like, the gingerbread that we're thinking of. Yeah. Um, Like, it's not like the little gingerbread cookies. It's more of like, you would take breadcrumbs and then add dried ginger to those breadcrumbs and stir in like honey and maybe some egg and bake it all. So it's this very like dense, sweet, gingery loaf. Because, yeah, it's, this is all, you know, before the invention of like baking soda, baking powder. Which, like, you know about that. Yeah. Because, like, 19th century. Yeah, exactly. So it's just very, like, the only way you could really make a cake rise at this point Mm -hmm. is, like, yeast. Yeah. Or, I guess, like, whipping egg whites into, like, stiff peaks. Yeah. Can, like, give it a little lift. But, like, again, like, that is made, that's something that could be made but that was mostly reserved for like the extremely wealthy who had a bunch of servants and you could like take that kind of time to hand whip egg whites into stiff peaks yeah that's a yeah that i mean that takes forever i the that's the express reason that i've never made meringue 
Yeah, same. <laughs> like meringue takes forever to make. I no that that is a lie. I have made meringue, and even with a, like a, like an electric yeah. mixer, it's still because I just have the handheld mixer. Yeah. I'm like a KitchenAid. Like I want a KitchenAid. This thing. Oh, same. <laughs> if anyone wants to send us wedding presents, both of us want KitchenAids. Yes. <laughs> Sonia has recently gotten married, so you can send it to her now. I'm getting married next summer, so please send us. Everyone mark your calendar, save the dates, we will be live streaming. For when we want our KitchenAid sent to us. But yeah, like, even if you're (laughs) using an electric mixer, it takes, like, 20 minutes beating the egg whites for them to do the thing. And it's so frustrating. So... Yeah, I mean, that's typically what a name day would would be. It was, you know, you would kind of pull together whatever ingredients you had locally and make some kind of a special cake. And, you know, you'd maybe have, have you know, some kind of small scale celebration. Okay. And you'd maybe be given gifts and people would wish you a happy name day. And that's kind of... You know, it it was a very, like, Mm low-key celebration for the most part. However, even in the Middle Ages, there were birthdays that were celebrated by typically people who were, you know, rich, important, etc. Like, you have in the Squire's Tale, which is one of Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, it opens with the king proclaiming a feast to celebrate his birthday. Right. So it birthdays kind of become this class stratified thing where most most like common folk yeah. celebrate name days. But if you're important enough basically to actually have your birthday written down and have people care about it, mm-hmm. then you can you know, then you would hold a feast and you know, you'd you'd have the fancy cake that was made with egg whites. Yeah. Until we get Kinderfest. Oh my gosh, that's in so Germany. cute. It's the cutest name for it. <laughs> it's called Kinderfest in kind of Germanic areas. Mm-hmm. Um, we have records of it from even as early as the 15th century, but it really takes off in the 18th century. Okay. And it's linked to this belief where people thought that on birthdays, children were particularly susceptible to evil spirits and, like, misfortune. So everyone would kind of gather around that child protectively, all the friends and family, and you would have a cake and you'd put candles on it, and there'd be one candle for every year that the child had lived, plus one more, to symbolize the hope that that child would live another year. And you would have to keep the candles lit all day to you know, bring good luck to the child and after the evening meal, then you could blow out the candles and the cake would be served around to everyone. And the candles were thought to carry the birthday child's wishes up to God. Aww. Yeah, so it's very similar to, you know, what we talked about before with the moon cakes where the smoke would take your, your prayers up to Artemis. Yeah. And, and like you can, for the most part, you can see like the origin of like the modern, contemporary birthday. Yeah, exactly. Like there. you can kind of see, 
that this is sort of taking form, this idea of having a cake and your friends and family come over and you have candles and you blow out the candles and make a wish. Yeah. But at this point, it's still very much like it's like there's no um, like it's it's still just about like the cake and the presence in terms of like actual presence of yeah. people. There's no like gift giving okay. like sometimes the child would receive a gift or two, but it wasn't. It wasn't expected yeah. that you would come to the party and like bring presents and stuff. That's not a thing yet. Um, and we see something kind of similar in England and the Americas, where, well, I mean, the American colonies that the English form, mm -hmm. where at, at least for like the privileged adults, basically, mm -hmm. who could afford it on their birthdays, you see them you know, in the 18th century, having, you know, maybe having somewhat of a feast, or maybe sharing a glass of wine and some fruitcake with friends. And you see them doing this with their children as well. So it's sort of, again, you're seeing these kind of proto birthday parties. Yeah. But it's really not till we hit the 19th century that you start seeing, you know, kind of a more structured birthday party as we think of it. Yeah. And that comes about for a few reasons. Um, the first one is people start to see children in kind of a different light mm -hmm. at this point. I mean, mostly because of the romanticism movement of the late 18th century that then keeps going basically right through the 19th century, which is all about like nature and like the purity of yeah of you know the natural world and children get put into this as well as there's this big emphasis on children as being these very innocent pure beings yeah. and you know the childhood takes on this newly important important um like role mm -hmm. in society um, and that's that's not to say that people didn't care about their kids before. I think that's, like, a really, like, I think we have this idea that, like, oh, well, people didn't actually care about their kids back then because they were just gonna die anyways. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah. Yeah, so I was reading this um, this book about Puritanism and, like, New England, um, mm -hmm. like, a couple weeks ago, and they talked a lot about how people thought about childhood and like mm -hmm. right so there is this sort of common misconception that like childhood didn't exist as like a distinct concept of life in early america but like it, it did right the puritans definitely thought yeah. of children as like not being adults right yeah. and but they had because it was so likely that your child was going to die even, like, well into their teens. There was this, like, strange, I mean, strange to us now, but this culture of, mm -hmm. like, being emotionally distant from your child and yeah. making sure that your child is also emotionally distant toward you. And it would often involve, like, sending your child away to live with another family. And it was, like, this 
form and like they find like letters and stuff this there was a quote in the book from a letter of this girl writing to her father where she apologized for showing so much emotion and how much she cared about him and he was like yes you need to crush these feelings down he's like it doesn't do any good for either of us and um yeah so it's like really kind of disturbing but also because they're like so calvinist right there was this idea that like because everyone was born into sin and like you don't know who's predestined to go to heaven that like childhood when you aren't like learned in the ways of christianity yet like they're the most susceptible to like being evil (laughs) (laughs) and so like there was this thing this like very strange way of how like early american puritans like treated children like that they were like these little demons (laughs) and like that you would keep them a distance from yourself because like you know, there were many, a lot of the, like, leaders of the Puritans at this time, like, I mean, they listed out all of these, like, super important uh, pastors and stuff, and they were, like, you know, some of them had, like, six or eight children, and two of them lived into adulthood. Yeah. You know, and so it was, like, yeah, you don't, if you're losing children, sometimes, like, four at a time, if there's, like, a plague or something that comes through, that, like, you won't be able to function if you think about your emotional connection the way that we do to people now. Yeah, exactly. But it wasn't that, like, they didn't care about them. It was a sort of forced distance. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, like, even, I mean, like, I focus on an earlier time period, but, like, you know, you look at medieval and early modern views of childhood, like, yeah, they, they... like they understand that children are not adults obviously like it's not like they didn't have childhoods and i mean you know i think uh, again like there's less written documentation at that time but Mm -hmm. like you know you do for especially in the later periods when you have more letter writing and more people keeping diaries and stuff like it it's really yeah. you can feel the heartbreak when they're writing about like you know their child passing or 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 something to to that extent and i think it's yeah, yeah i i think it's it was more so it wasn't it wasn't a shock the way it is now like to me it, it at least in that time period it seems much more yeah they would think about it in the way that we would maybe think about like an elderly relative dying where it's sort of like, yeah, exactly. To an extent, like you're not shocked by it, but it doesn't mean that they weren't grieving, you know, like it doesn't mean that they didn't have but, like, a hard the 19th time century it, but... is like the period of like, yeah. So I just, the modernization anyway, of but medicine back to, back to like, a happy, the creation of like vaccines. Yeah. And... yeah. You're starting yeah. to see, somewhat lower childhood mortality rate and like factories and you know there's to make sure that they like children are the ideas of like children are supposed to be in school yes yeah exactly and it's this also this idea that children deserve to be protected and that they should be kind of sheltered and cared for because they are evil and corruptible like innocent (laughs) beings who need to be taken care of so Yes, very much so. 
so you know you you kind of have this renewed emphasis on on children and childhood so that really makes birthday celebrations more popular mm-hmm. along with a lot of these new consumer goods so you have in the mid 19th century you actually see the first mass produced birthday cards in Britain and then shortly after you know that mm-hmm obviously gets disseminated through all the like British colonies and through America and that kind of, you know, that kind of cultural exchange, (laughs) I guess. Um, And you also see the manufacture of small, colorful candles, and that becomes integral to the American birthday cake. And in similarly in Britain and throughout a lot of Europe, specifically because Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert, was German. So he brought the German kind of Kinderfest idea with him into the British monarchy. And, you know, in I mean, it's called the Victorian period for a reason. Yeah. Like, they were kind of the first very public royal family, as we would think about it. So people see them celebrating with, you know, a fancy cake with little yeah. colorful candles in it. And they go, oh. Oh, we all need to do this too Isn't because she also we want to be one fancy and or was it you know we we want to do these things because wasn't her mother German as well and so like that's why she was really big into Christmas trees so wasn't she the one who brought Christmas trees to Britain we would have to f- I we believe need to fact so <laughs> yes yes because Albert. No, no, I I remember this one because Albert was the one who um, brought the Christmas tree. And it was like this little tabletop tree. It's maybe maybe about a meter high. And they had this painting done up, like this little drawing where it's, you know, Albert and Victoria and their kids all gathered around this tiny Christmas tree that's all decorated with candles and you know little baubles and ribbons and stuff and that's when you see the popularity of christmas trees just explodes like everyone needs to have that and it's the same effect with birthday birthday cakes cakes. basically where her and albert like (laughs) right the original kardashians (laughs) just yeah like half the stuff we do To put it lightly, Queen Victoria would not oh, be amused by that statement. We're still going to be. <laughs> Definitely not, but also, we you are know. not amused. She wouldn't be amused by a lot of things, I think. But yeah, so um, the yep. other, back to um, Victorian birthday parties. As we talked about by this point, especially in... In America, it really takes off making your own birthday cake at home and that it's your mom makes the birthday cake for the children. And it's this very, um, yeah, so this like kind of that style of birthday cake Mm -hmm. is very much um, like an American invention, because if you look at throughout a lot of Europe, it was still... You know, you have access to a lot of bakers, right? And like bakeries. So Mm -hmm. most people weren't home baking like as much, um, partly because it's still just a holdover from like, you know, the days when you would have to take your bread to the bake, like your bread dough to the baker and they would bake it in the oven for like, you know, safety reasons so that you don't just have the whole town 
go up in flames because one person forgot their bread in the oven for too long. Whereas, you know, when uh, by, by the 19th century in America, you're having, you know, kind of closed range, safer ovens, and you're also getting mass produced uh, baking soda and baking powder which means you can get those light, fluffy, spongy cakes without having yeah. to have a servant, you know, whisking eggs for three hours. <laughs> so that becomes really, you know, you're you're getting that very, like, fluffy, bubbly cake. Right. It's no longer, like, a cake that's being leavened with yeast. And we actually start to see, also at this point, cake decorating, where you would have things like happy birthday or many happy returns written on the cake in frosting. And at this point, a lot of the parties started to be, you know, started to have that more, the piano's back. Yeah. God damn it. (laughs) It's fine. Welcome to the piano concert of the day. Yeah. It's about two o'clock. So yeah, it's about two o'clock. It's, it's about that time. So you would have your birthday cake and you would invite over other children. I mean, obviously this is more of a, like, more Mm well-to-do families could do this, more so. But even throughout the 19th century, you do see that more and more even working-class people can afford to either make or buy a cake and, you know, have maybe some friends over and kind of mark this day to celebrate their child living another year, basically. And especially for the kind of well-to-do class of Victorian society, these children's birthday parties really become kind of a way of teaching children, like, proper party etiquette. Because, you know, if yeah. you if you're trying to move on up in the world, you have to know how to behave properly at a party. So, you know, these aren't like, ah, yes, the children will go out and, you know, play in the mud or whatever. It's no, all the kids would show up in their best clothing and you would go outside and play croquet or, no, you know, no bounce these sorts of, <laughs> definitely no bounce houses. This is all about... For the parents, it's about flexing and showing, like, look, we were able to afford this very fancy three-tiered cake and lots of little candles, and we have little party favors for your children to take home. And these would normally be things like bookmarks or paper fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want you want to get the nicer paper fans yeah. than, like, Audrey had at her kid's oh, birthday party. <laughs> Honestly. So it it's very much about teaching kids like how to behave at a society function so that when they, you know, as they get older, they know how to conduct themselves appropriately mm-hmm. and like how to daintily eat their cake and sip the tea. But yeah, so that's kind of what birthday parties are looking like at that stage. So we've got most of the elements there. We've got cake. Candles, cards, some decorations. You've got guests coming over. We are missing one final element, though, which is, of course, the happy birthday happy song. Birthday. Which. To you. <laughs> which was published in 1912, 
called the Happy Birthday to You mm-hmm. song. And it gained widespread popularity very quickly. It has been translated into a bunch of different languages um, because people in Europe were also kind of doing a lot of these same same um, like birthday party things during the 19th century yeah, we learned it and in into Spanish the 20th the century. Cumpleaños feliz. Cumpleaños feliz. <laughs> we learned it in French. yeah and okay this is like i don't know when this started up but we were talking about this earlier there's like a canadian addition to yeah i had never heard this before even though i've had is wild to me two birthdays in canada now never heard this part well yeah you also don't want to count to 30 (laughs) yeah no no, because you, you after you sing the happy birthday song, then you sing, how old are you now? 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 And then everybody counts up until they reach the child's age. So they'll go, are you one? Are you two? Are you three? Are you four? And the birthday child has to say, stop. So yeah, I think the reason you haven't experienced it is that most people stop doing this after about the age of 12, because... No one wants to count yeah. that long. <laughs> no, I just know the Quebec one. Oh, yeah, the one that has nothing to do with yeah. birthdays. And it's just <laughs> like, here's a song. <laughs> but basically, when we start going into the 20th century, um, it's really kind of this mix of public schooling mm-hmm. and also... Because at school, right, like, you're learning, like, the the tune to Happy Birthday was um, initially used by a school teacher who, it was called um, Good Morning to All. So it was, like, an easy song for the kids yeah. to sing in the mornings for, like, the little ones. And basically what would happen is you would end up with, you know, kind of classroom birthday celebrations. Okay. And you also start to see just in general kind of more cultural hegemony Mm -hmm. as you get into the 20th century so that by like, you know, the 1920s, 30s, you're starting to see this much more like formulaic, like birthday means birthday song, cake, candles. You start seeing, you know, mass produced cheap products like birthday hats and streamers and like balloons and it also it's during the 20th like early to mid 20th century that it starts being normal to bring toys and like gifts for the birthday boy or girl because until this point it wasn't it wasn't like like in the victorian era you didn't bring presents for the birthday child for the most Mm -hmm. part you would go home with a party favor so it's like hobbits. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, that was the co- most confusing part of Lord of the Rings for me. <laughs> I was like, why? Why is Bilbo giving everyone presents? I don't understand. It's his birthday. But yeah, it's because back in the day, for the most part, you would give party favors rather than your guests bringing yeah. you a present. But, and I wasn't really able to find too much of an explanation on on why this shift happened. But the closest I could come to was it seems like 
toys stopped being this like luxury item because you know even through the victorian age like buying a doll or a rocking horse or whatever like those were still quite expensive like even with the dawn of industrialization but once you're hitting the 20th century you're getting a lot more things that are able to be mass produced and mass produced really cheaply because of new materials like yeah, plastic. So it's a lot easier to like afford basically giving presents to the birthday yeah. child. That makes sense. Yeah. So it, I think it's just really something to think about that like something that we all take as so like normal and standardized has really only been standard since like i don't know at earliest the 1930s so yeah i mean we've got what like Like three generations of people in the u.s then who would be celebrating birthdays in any way similar to the way that because i mean my great grandmother was born in 1901 yeah or no maybe it was 1910 Something like that. Yeah, I mean, we're looking like, yeah, maybe like, if we stretch it like four generations, because this has been about about ninety years of like what we would think of as a modern birthday party with all of the elements that we would think about it as a birthday. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess. I think we've learned a lot, and we have some more types of cakes and things we can add to birthday festivities. And Very much I think so. we should say happy birthday to what is apparently the largest section of our listeners <laughs> who will statistically have their birthdays in September. So happy birthday to you guys. And tell us how old are you now? Yes. If you're a Canadian. <laughs> yeah. The rest of you are excused. <laughs> but I know roughly half of you are Canadians from my analytics. Yeah. So we need to know how old everyone is. And Yes. Yeah. So next week we'll be talking about... Fall foraging. Foraging. All the foods that people would dig up in the woods and in hedgerows and all the weird beliefs they had around it. So stay tuned for just... Just a lot of talk about plants, about mushrooms and acorns, plants, teas, acorns. Um, it's gonna be great. Yeah. And in the meantime, remember you can check in for updates on Twitter and Instagram. Also, you can check out our blog if you can. Support us on Patreon. We have some really exciting ideas for the podcast and for the blog that we can really only make happen with some support. So please, if you can, and as always, uh, stay safe and do good work. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Go, 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 shawty. It's your birthday. We gonna party like it's your birthday. We gonna sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give a fuck. It's not your birthday. You'll find me in the club. Bottle full of bug. Mama, I got what you need.